The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callahan Innovation. Here's your host, Simon Powell. Some businesses make a buck, some make a difference, but how about doing both at once? The idea of for-profit and for-good enterprise is revolutionary, with great companies like Tom's Shoes, Warby Parker Glasses, and in New Zealand, Eat My Lunch, showing you can buy one, give one, and do good with your purchase of good goods. Eat My Lunch is the hugely successful idea where you get a lovely lunch made and delivered to you, and in the price, you pay for a kid at a school who would otherwise go without to get one also. The movement has captured the imagination of the country, growing from Auckland to Hamilton and Wellington, from a home kitchen to a commercial operation, from three people to hundreds of volunteers and workers delivering thousands of lunches a day. Lisa King is the driving force and face of the company, and we're honoured to have her join us today to chat about her career, about the idea, and how they made Eat My Lunch part of New Zealand life. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Simon. Hey, take me back to the beginning before Eat My Lunch. What were you up to? What was your career to that point? Because you were in marketing, weren't you? Yeah, so I was a marketer and um, working for really large corporates marketing big brands. Um, I started out actually with the New Zealand Dairy Board and marketing uh, New Zealand milk um, overseas in the Philippines. And then went to London and worked for um, Unilever. And came back home um, and worked for companies like Heinz Washies, Pepsi, um, and Cadbury and Fonterra. What kind of things were you selling at those big companies there? What kind of household products? What would people know in their fridge or cupboards? So it was all within the food industry. Um, and so things like bluebird chips and Cadbury chocolate bars. Um, funnily enough, there were foods that... Um, I wouldn't actually give my own kids at home. They were banned from our house. So I think, you know, when um, when I thought about my career and what I was doing, it, there was this sense of kind of real hypocrisy of go and market these foods to the New Zealand public. And then I'd go home, force feed my kids vegetables and fruit, and they weren't allowed anything that I was actually selling. Um, and you kind of justify to yourself, well, you know, people should control what they eat. And um, as long as we're not outwardly marketing to kids, that's fine. Um, it just happens that we just, have really cute mascots on all of these yeah. products. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and, you know, personally, I'd kind of, I was always doing, you know, my bit for the community and I'd go and do some volunteer work um, for other charities and things to, I guess, kind of um, make up for my sins. <laughs> Did you ever have moments where you thought, imagine if we had a $3 million ad spend for carrots? <laughs> <laughs> what could we do for carrots? And so you, you, was there like a moment, was there anything that kind of like um, brought it all home to you or was this a gradual thing that made you decide to throw throw your lot of I saw this, you know, piece on Campbell Live uh, comparing lunches uh, of kids from Decile 10 and Decile 1 schools. Oh, yeah. And that really stuck with me for months and months. I just couldn't get it out of my head. And I was just like, this is so wrong. And then I was approaching... You know, I was in my late 30s and my significant birthday was coming up and I just thought, you know, I just want to do something um, that I would be proud of, that my kids would be proud of. Um, And so I think, you know, those points kind of all came colliding together at the same time and I just thought, if I don't do it now, um, I'm never going to do it. And so how did you do it? What, What went from that idea? Because that lunchbox image that you mentioned, I mean, that shook me, that shook so many people, Mm. but... Hardly anyone was able to take that action of being confronted with it and turn it into something like you did. Yeah, well, um, the idea around a kind of this buy one, give one concept and trying to solve a social issue with, you know, people actually buying a product and um, doing good with it at the same time came literally over a glass of wine and a conversation. And then, like you say, you, you know, everyone has great ideas, but it's, and we sat on it too for a couple of months and kept saying to my partner at the time, like, are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? Um, and actually the funny thing that pushed it was that um, I entered a competition in a magazine for women entrepreneurs with ideas and I sent in my idea and it got selected, I think, as the top 10 out of 400 um, and it got posted on Facebook and people had to vote for the idea and it actually received the most votes, but didn't win the competition. And suddenly I realized the idea was out there and I knew it was a good idea. And I just thought, if I don't do it, someone else is going to do this. Um, and that was kind of, I guess, the mom- the spark and the turning point of, let's just do it now. Wow. And so it started in your kitchen. Yes. <laughs> and you were making lunches for well, a bunch of schools and then a bunch of people distributed across Auckland, all from your home kitchen. Yes. And I mean, we were very lucky in that um, our kitchen got approved to be a commercial kitchen. It was one of the first domestic kitchens to get the um, council approval for that, which really enabled us as a startup, you know, to not have those big costs. Tell, tell me about how you did launch that, because you guys, right from the beginning, um, had a, a really great way of engaging well-known people, such as uh, Michael Meredith. Um, people would come and volunteer as well uh, to help make the lunches. And also you built that community by going to things like Pledge Me and crowdfunding. Um, yeah, how, how did you tap into the power of other people around you? So we... <laughs> The business grew so quickly um, in those first kind of few months. We knew we had to move out of our home. And um, we wanted, again, the public to kind of come along this journey with us. You know, we could have gone to back to the bank and borrowed the money. Um, but really, we wanted everyone to kind of feel like that they were part of it. Um, so we went to Pledge Me and launched a crowdfunding campaign to raise money to help us move out of our home into a commercial space. 
So that was a smaller campaign. Uh, we raised around $130,000 at the time. Which, mm. did it feel small at the time? No, no. <laughs> yeah, particularly, yeah, I think we launched that three months after we started. So it yeah. definitely wasn't, it didn't feel small. Um, and, and at that moment, you had people coming into your house every day. You had your kids getting up and then you getting them off to school as well, I imagine. Strangers in the kitchen. Yeah. What, what, what kind of numbers were you expecting to be doing by three months? And what kind of numbers were you doing that meant that you had to go out for 130k that quickly? By we- our second week, we were doing 200 lunches a day. And then that went up to 400 in our third week. <laughs> and by kind of like, you know, week 12, we were doing around 700 a day. Wow. So, um, you know, that kind of growth just really blew us away. And, you know, when you say, how did we get all of these people on board and people coming in? And, you know, how did we get Lord um, posting about us on Instagram? It- they all came to us and you know I love that because what we found is there are just so many generous and um, kind people out there and they all came to us and said you know we want to help and um, and that's been the amazing thing about Eat My Lunch and uh, what I've loved to see. What was it like making the first phone calls because I imagine once it's working schools would be really happy to get on board and suppliers but if you're ringing up Mollenberg and saying, can I please have 700 lunches worth uh, and they've never heard of you, it could be tricky. Uh, absolutely. You know, when we first started or um, well, before we even launched, you know, we were canvassing suppliers and, um, you know, even the bank and yeah, people are like, no, it's not going to work. You know, how are you going to make money giving away free lunches? Um, and people were like, well, we can't see any sales figures. No one's kind of done this thing before. So it was really difficult. Um, so, you know, even fruit and vegetables, we were pick, going to the markets every morning at four, picking that up ourselves, bringing it home. Um, and, yeah, no one really wanted to deal with us. Yeah. So it was all cash on delivery first Yeah, up it was all cash. It was yeah. um, all we had to do it ourselves. And, um, and then after a few months, people were like, oh, okay, now, now you guys are actually serious and you've got something behind you and you're showing us that, it is successful. What about the schools? Because is there a pastoral nature where you're not just turning up and dropping food off, you're getting involved in people's lives? Does that make it, I don't know, difficult to scale? Or what what does that do with the business? Um, I mean, with the schools, you know, we actually identified an area. So that was Mungri, where there there were a lot of low decile schools within a small area. So it kind of had to fit with logistically us being able to deliver that. And we're very lucky with our very first school, um, Mungri Central. Maria, the principal, was just so on board with this because she she knows firsthand what it's like for these kids. Um, And also the pressure and the resource on her staff to be able to you know, make lunches for the kids every day. Um, you know, she had staff spending you know, half an hour preparing the food or making yogurt the day before for the next day. So, you know, for her, that was a lot of pressure on their really scarce resources as well. Um, and they just love the type of food that we're providing the kids. So everything is, you know, vegetable focused, it's nutritious, it's fresh. And once that kind of we had to bring on a second school very quickly. Um, but once the word kind of got out and the schools could 
see what we were doing. You know, we've just had more and more schools come on and now we've got a big waiting list of schools wanting to participate in the programme as well. What does that mean for the business? So in order to get more schools on, um, do you then go out and advertise and ask for more people in corporates to buy their lunch or do you have to have something more secure than does Jimmy want to buy his lunch this week to be able to provide that kind of um, service? Because I imagine once you start providing it, if it goes, it, it would be very difficult. You can't take it back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we've been very, very careful around, um, you know, making sure that this is sustainable. And we commit to the schools every single day because, again, from a kid's um, perspective, you know, the benefit is to have good, nutritious food every day. It's not just a one-off or, you know, once every couple of weeks. And with the schools, they the numbers vary from anything from 15 lunches a day in one school up to we feed an entire school of 165 kids a day. So at the moment, you know, we're feeding about 1,440 kids every day, and that's a really big number. So we have to make sure that the the bought side of it is really sustainable. And that's why we went for a subscription model. So when individuals sign up, they're signing on weekly um, and it's indefinite until they decide to cancel. And that provides us with a little bit of security that there's always going to be this ongoing lunch. The other half of our business are big corporates who are buying um, for, to cater for staff meetings or functions. And, you know, we've had some really great support from most of the big corporates um, around, but people like Air New Zealand, every meeting that they have, they buy and eat my lunch. Oh, cool. And they've, you know, in nine months, they've given about 10,000 lunches already. And that's become, a, that was a very top-down approach. So, you know, the CEO is saying, Whenever there's a meeting, everyone has to buy my lunch. And that's just been, you know, one of those really great partnerships. And with those partnerships, are they also getting the volunteers in to help with the lunches? Because one of the cool things, and it would be great to chat about your business model with this, which is um, so revolutionary, is that you're getting people to volunteer because they believe in your cause. Uh, but it is still a business that is turning a profit so it can keep growing. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that we did model really early on and to make it into a profitable business is that we had to have volunteers come and help us make the lunches for the kids. So there's a real clear delineation between the buy side of the business and the giving. And so the volunteers come in and they work on the give side of the business. Um, and initially we, we didn't know how we were going to get volunteers because we're not a charity. Um, and, uh, you know, we're like, do we advertise for these people? Or... <laughs> But again, that word of mouth just spread. And um, so we have a lot of corporates come in with their teams. Um, it's something, you know, really physical and tangible that they do and they see where those lunches are going to. It's a really great way to get transparency in the business. So, um, you know, there aren't, aren't many businesses that invite the public in to see how it all works and actually to be a part of it. Um, so we've had probably around 3,000 people now come in and volunteer. Some come every single week. Um, but what I love about the volunteers, it's like anyone can come and make a lunch. You know, you don't need a degree. You don't need experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've had all types of people, you know, from your CEOs to school students coming in to help out. Um, and it, it's another way of, I guess, for particularly big corporates to engage their staff, 
to show them what they're actually doing. It's not just about writing out a check. Um, and for our volunteers, it's a really satisfying experience. How have you gone with the logistics? Because 1,400 lunches to schools, uh, must be a similar number of lunches going out to office towers and um, studios across, yeah. across <laughs> Auckland. How does that work? Yeah, so I always say we're more a supply chain logistics company than we are a food company Um, because everything we do is fresh every day. So that in itself um, is very complicated from supply chain and then logistics of getting it out. So, you know, all our lunches have to be made by 9.30 and then we have all the couriers come and descend on Eat My Lunch, pick them up and they have to be distributed um, and dropped off to everyone by 12.30 every day. So it's a very, very tight window. Um, So we spend most of our time managing that. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of really great partners to help us with it. And it's funny thinking, you know, when we first started, we thought we'd just drive around in our own car um, to deliver the (laughs) lunches. And now we have about 14 cars um, that do that. What surprised you along the way? Uh, the idea so great, and then the the um, people responding so well to it. What what's caught you off guard or been difficult along the way? Um, definitely responding to the growth of it. You know, you never know how these things are going to start or how they're going to become when you start. And yeah, we thought it was a really great idea, but we certainly before we started, we had lots of people tell us it wasn't a good idea. Um, and so you you never really know. And I think it's definitely surprised us how it's kind of caught people's imagination. Um, there's been a lot of unintended um, impact, I guess, around, you know, the volunteering, um, the support that we get. You know, our intention was to run this as a purely commercial um, and sustainable business, but that hasn't stopped a lot of um, people come and support us and big corporates. Um, you know, and we haven't had to go out and canvas that. People have just come to us because they really believe in what we do. And so it's been really surprising because I think you can get a little bit down on humankind um, <laughs> and some of the stuff that goes on around the world particularly. And it's just so nice that there are so many people out there who want to do something good. And it kind of puts your faith back in um, humankind. And for you personally, I mean, you're you're a wonderful representative for a lot of these themes, you know, uh, positive social enterprise, um, you, you know, the, the, the buy one, give one model, um, having to kind of um, be a, an advocate for um, child poverty, kind of in a, in a way. Like, did you expect any of those things to come as part of this? No, not at all. <laughs> I think we, you know, for me it was you, seeing a problem and just wanting to do something about it. And I literally thought we were just going to be making lunches out of our house for uh, some time. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of things have come with it. Um, it's been really great. So just even raising the awareness of the issue, mm-hmm. you know, I still come across people who are like, no, surely that doesn't exist in New Zealand. And having gone out and seen it firsthand for myself um, and then exposing people to that and just having people talk about it, you know, um, even when people get their lunches and that they know that this issue does exist and they're actually doing something about it, um, that's been really great. And, 
Yeah, having to be, uh, you know, we brought Michael on so he could be the face of um, eating my lunch <laughs> and, um, you know, working alongside him as well um, to really promote, you know, what we do. Um, it's not my thing. Uh, you know, I'd never intended to be sitting here speaking to you about it <laughs> for sure. Um, and that's just come with, you know, the job, I guess. And have you enjoyed that? Because um, being awarded and uh, recognised as an innovator and a business leader and, and doing cool things. Um, yeah, like uh, s- some days I, I see that you are meeting the hurricanes, you know, yeah. making cool <laughs> stuff happen in in uh, Wellington. But, but other days it must be kind of like I've got 500 calls <laughs> from suppliers and everything's gone to crap and the yoghurt delivery's gone south, you know, like, yeah, how, how is it in the thick of it? Yeah, it's definitely that balance of, you know, you've still got to be really hands-on and because, you know, this is your little baby and you want to make sure everything's running smoothly. And um, so, yeah, there was definitely a tricky time of, you know, being really involved in the day-to-day of the business, but then also being able to step out and do a lot of these other things, which are also really important. Um, and now we've got a really great team. Like We have 27 staff um, that, you know, actually run most of the day-to-day, which is great. And, yeah, all these, um, you know, being able to meet people from, you know, I've been so fortunate to come across just an incredible range of really inspiring Kiwis doing incredible things. Um, that's, you know, I've felt really fortunate to be in that position. Mm. Getting into the space of, of seeing the gaps, like seeing what's missing for some of these kids. I saw an amazing survey years ago that the Auckland City Mission did about what else these kids were missing. Some kids that didn't get lunch also hadn't been to the beach or hadn't had a birthday for themselves because with many children in the family, they celebrated one day a year for all the kids. Or there are all kinds of things that when you live a comfortable New Zealand life, you can be blind to what are, what surprised you and what what are the other gaps that people who maybe are listening and have entrepreneurial ideas and and the ability to make things happen what could they go and help with yeah i think there's so many things we take for granted and every time i go out to one of these schools it opens my eyes to something else and um you know it's still we're 18, 19 months down the track still shocks me when I go out and see these kids. So things like, um, like you were saying, gifts. Um, last year when it was our first birthday, Lego actually donated 10,000 um, boxes of Lego to go to all the kids in the schools that we support. A lot of these kids had never received a gift. Um, you know, and they were like, can we actually take this home? Are you oh, wow. sure? You know, and yeah, so something so small as a little box of Lego, um, it was the best thing that they'd ever received. And for some of them, it was the only present that they got. Um, yeah, things like going into the city. So we also do a cooking school and we bring some of the kids out to um, our premises just off K Road. And, you know, going into the city for them was the first time for a lot of the kids. Um, and then, you know, being able to spend that time with Michael um, and teaching them how to do the most basic things, like peel a carrot. Um, a lot of them had never used a peeler before or crack an egg open. You know, there's these really, really simple things that these kids don't get exposed to and that we all take for granted. Um, I've seen a lot of kids with no shoes, 
worn clothes. You know, in winter they're wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Um, you know, just stationary technology, which is so important for kids these days. Access to that, um, books. Yeah, so yeah, I think just really basic things. I mean, some of them couldn't even afford lunch boxes. What are the next step for you guys? Because there is such a scale of of people to help. Um, you, you, you're in a number of cities around the country. Um, what what are your next steps? Well, I think we feel like we're only really scratching the surface of the problem. You know, if we look at what we think, how many kids are going to school every day without in New Zealand, we conservatively estimate that at around 25,000. And we're only feeding 1,400 of them at the moment. So there's such a long way to go. So for us, it's really around how do we scale quickly? Um, you know, how do we get more and more people buying lunches so that we can give more lunches away? Um, we only launched in Wellington at the end of last year, but that's going really well. And um, we're really just trying to consolidate that. Um, and, you know, obviously people have been asking us to maybe launch in the South Island or other parts of the country. And that's definitely on the plans, probably not in the next six months. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of hard work and um, we just want to get what we're doing right and working really, really well. Because it is such a short amount of time that you guys have been yeah. going. It's amazing. <laughs> like looking back on those just a few short years ago that you <laughs> that you made the jump, you know, if, if anyone's listening who is in a comfortable position but has a dream, what would you say to them? Uh, I came across this quote recently that said, everything you've wanted or you ever wanted is on the other side of fear. And um, I really believe in, you know, courage and having the courage to take that leap of faith and go and do what you want because you never know what's going to happen and um and just to start it's always really hard to start and I think so many people have really great ideas but just to do it um it takes a lot of courage and um you just got to make yourself take that one step forward every day to towards whatever it is that you want to do and, um, you know, a lot of people asked us, well, were you sitting on the idea for years? Uh, we literally sat on it for a couple of months. And then from the moment we decided we were going to do it, it took us about four months um, before we launched. So um, I think just just do it. <laughs> That's so wonderful. Lisa King of Eat My Lunch, thank you so much for coming and talking to us today. Thank you. Thank you, Jose Barbosa, for producing. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks to the good eggs that have gone and rated and reviewed the podcast. Uh, it all helps very much. And see you next week. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. And brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, Jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. 
cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.